It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, it's an off day, baby, and so we are digging into the mailbag. And boy, do we ever get some good mailbag questions for today. We've got ones about rebranding the Raptor to become more of a freak. We've got ones about Scotty Barnes. What will his role in the team next season be? Who would it hurt more to eliminate in a playoff series, Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan? All of that and so much more on today's special mailbag episode with Katie Heindel. It's all coming up. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1144 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, March the 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can support the podcast by subscribing, following, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff on all the different audio podcast apps. We are also on YouTube, and we are free on all those platforms. So thank you in advance for supporting the show. And a big thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. All right, on today's show, it's an off day. Katie Heindel's here, and so we've got some weird-ass mailbag questions to answer from the freaks out there. We love you so, so much, freaks. And, uh, you know, we've got some basketball-related questions that we're going to dive into off the top as well, but... There's some doozies in this mailbag today, Katie. Are you excited perusing through the questions we've received? I am excited. There's some pretty good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, if I if see this little year, there's a cat here. Uh, oh. And uh, I keep looking down because I, I 100% know she's going to fall off the table. So if we <laughs> hear like a loud thunk, that's what's happened. I think that's the first ever Jeans appearance on the podcast. This is very exciting. Hi, you, Jeans. You're just getting Jeans as a year. That's fine. She that's remains fine. a mystery. Did I see you have like a fancy mug there too? A fun mug? Yeah, I got a... Oh, is that Mexico. a is that a weird vessels no. uh, exclusive? Oh, okay. <laughs> I would not. Uh, I would not claim that. No, this was like <laughs> this was a set a gift from a friend. Um, these are like a mug. Oh, so not to get too deep into mug talk because I know you. No, like no, it. we can't. I love I mug talk. Best um, thing. I have a beautiful mug here. It's. it's you know your mugs plain, that you nice. like. I don't know when you're like, eh, look, I feel like this sounds so lame, but you're like, I'm just going to do like this. This mug is more special to me. Right. Yeah. So you like yeah. you pull it out on a days where you're like maybe you need a little boost. It's not your workhorse mug. You know, mm-hmm. like this is a hand wash only situation. Um, uh, so, yeah, like, you know what it is to have some special mugs on deck. 
Yeah, I think I'm suspect of you if you don't have like a mm -hmm. mug hierarchy in your cupboard, right? If you're just totally. like, all these mugs are the same to me, uh, you're weird. And also, please don't be the people who buy like a set of mugs that are all the same. Like, that, that's not, that's not way to live. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's mug talk. Uh, tune in for our uh, exclusive <laughs> bonus episode. Locked Next time we'll just do mug questions. On, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Oh. Um, Oh, Did you see? She's gone. Did she fall off? Oh, no, okay. she, she actually she managed fall, to turn around uh, on her own steam, <laughs> but the people got a little jeans appearance like Bigfoot. Honestly, the first three minutes of this podcast have been the exact argument for why you should watch on YouTube. You get cats, <laughs> you get mugs. It's beautiful. All right, let's get to some questions, Katie. Uh, lots of really good ones came in from the listeners out there. I didn't have time beforehand to put them all in graphic form onto the video, so apologies mm -hmm. for that. But just listen to my words as I say the questions, and you'll be totally caught up. Uh, let's get to this one here. This one comes from those guys at those guys underscore TG. The question, uh, yes, three different questions. We're going to get to two of them here. The first one is, will Scotty Barnes be the second option for the Raptors next season? Uh, obviously he's kind of been sort of floating in like the third, fourth, fifth option, depending on who's healthy, who's available over the course of this season. Mm -hmm. We've seen him kind of take the bull by the horns this last little while here with OG out becoming a higher usage guy, maybe like the second option behind Siakam in some games, obviously, you know, the Lakers game again, last Friday, he was the number one option with a bullet, which was also very fun. Um, you know, when you're looking towards next season, Katie, Scotty Barnes, where do you think his role slots in, in terms of the offensive pecking order? You know what? I wouldn't, this is actually like along my stance of, uh, I don't want to rush anything for Scotty. And I think mm -hmm. where the team has, has set him up, uh, to succeed is obviously like paying off in spades and that like, he does have, he does have like plenty of room and flexibility, right? Like when they want to bump him up, he's like ready for it. But if they want to mm -hmm. take a back seat, fine. Um, I would say no, not the second option, just because uh, I'm still waiting on OG to like <laughs> be healthy and like, you know, um, <laughs> just basically have the phenomenal, I think, season that we've all been waiting for him to have, like to no fault yeah. of his own. So, mm -hmm. um, and I would just say too, like, again, the Raptors aren't set up to be a team where they need Scotty Barnes this year. I think even next year, you know, mm -hmm. to be this like a hundred percent threat, like a hundred percent of the time, right. You still want to develop him and grow him. And, you know, I don't know. We always talk about what they're going to do in the off season, but they'll do something. So I don't think so. He could be, I'm sure some games he will be like that Lakers game yeah. you mentioned. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really think he needs to be. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I've been kind of really on this train the last little while of like, I think one of the strengths of this Raptors team, and I would assume that the main five guys, barring some big time opportunistic trade becoming available to them in the offseason, I would assume the main five guys who have been their go to starting five this season will all be back next year. Mm -hmm. And part of the appeal of that is any one of them can kind of cook you at any given time, right? Like, and it all kind of comes in different ways and shapes and forms. You've got Pascal, obviously, you know, he's gone downhill a lot this season, kind of running around screens. Obviously, he can post up, things like that. We know OG is a guy who can like bulldoze his way from the wing on a drive, or he can post up. You've got Fred with the pull-up game, the pick and roll operation, the sort of mid-range game that he's kind of built this season. Gary Trent Jr. is Gary Trent Jr. and he's always <laughs> gonna look for his looks. And then Scotty is this kind of, I think. You know, the role for me that I think Scotty's going to assume next season is just like the matchup buster, right? Like, 
you think about some certain opponents, like for example, the Boston Celtics, like incredibly difficult defense to penetrate, really, really tricky. Everyone can switch across the board. It's kind of a nightmare. And I kind of think if anybody on this team projects to be a guy who can sort of seize the day against a particular matchup or against a team where it is hard to gain dribble penetration, hard to gain looks through the sort of regular flow of your offense, Scotty Barnes, to me, profiles as the guy who's going to be that guy that you can just toss it to. And mm-hmm. that's not going to be their sort of main method of playing basketball because that's just not how they're wired. But I do think that's going to kind of be more of a regular occurrence next year where, and we've seen it even since the All-Star break, right? Like he'll see a matchup he can exploit and then he'll take 10 shots in a row and he will score on eight of them. And it's like, all right, yeah, I can see where this might lead to some prominent promising things down the line if this is kind of the uh, the plan for him. So yeah, I, I don't think this team, because it's very like equally distributed talent-wise across the main five guys, there's no need to have necessarily one guy who is the be-all end-all. I think you have certain roles. You know, Pascal is going to be, I think, the offensive engine because of his playmaking. I think Scotty will kind of have a a bit more of a role when it comes to that department as well. But, you know, I, I really think his big sort of role on this team, considering how everything else is coming together, is, okay, we're having a hard time in the half court. Scotty, please save us because you can score against anybody with your weird-ass drives and post-ups. Please, please do that. And he will probably get pretty good at that because he already is very good at that. Any last thoughts on that, Katie? Yeah, I think he's going to also get you can't you can't um discount the probably the assignments that nurse uh and then like that he'll take on in terms of training in the off season, right? Yeah. Like he's on a team where I mean I don't think we've ever seen Pascal, OG, Fred, um just like a lot of like that core group always goes away in the off season and trains incredibly mm-hmm incredibly hard right and kind of usually picks one thing to work on so i'd almost want to wait and see what that is for scotty like what the team asks of him and what he goes away who he works with you know uh, and to see like what he's bringing back next season because if you give like this will be his first like nba off season you know and you take all the experience that he got uh this first season he'll probably i wouldn't be surprised if he goes and works like with Pascal or like with some of his teammates, you know, and works with those trainers. Uh, and I just think that's like a full, he's just like got such a full toolkit, right? Yeah. That like his skill set is definitely going to change when he comes back. Yeah. And like overall, the luxury here with the Raptors having as much talent already in house as they do is it's not like a Cade Cunningham situation where you have to just throw everything at Cade and hope it sticks right away because what else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like he can ease into this because he has guys to play mm-hmm. off of all star and all NBA level players to play off of, which is a pretty damn nice thing. Uh, it's hard not to be pretty optimistic about where the Raptors sit right now, Katie. I gotta say, uh, we're gonna continue on. We have more mailbag questions, including one more from at those guys underscore TG that is going to pull up the heartstrings of our feelings correspondent, Katie Heindel. That's coming up in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks who have made daily fantasy basketball easy, which is a wonderful thing. You often will play fantasy basketball, daily fantasy basketball in particular, pick your teams, and you're up against this sort of shadow expert behind the scenes. They're picking a lineup. You don't even know what the lineup is. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be the way Prize Picks has figured it out, where it's just you against the projected numbers. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Again, it's just you against the projections. There's no expert who you've never seen who's hiding in some basement somewhere that you're up against which is a lovely thing entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy 
and prize picks offers safe and fast withdrawals. And you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. You can pick any prop you can think of, points scored, rebounds, steals, etc. And you can also do mixed sport entries. So say you're a baseball head and a basketball fan, much like yours truly, you want to you know, pull a little action on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to hit a home run and also on Scotty Barnes to score 25 points against some poor, poor soul. You can do that very easily with prize picks. They have the NBA, MLB, soccer, college football, you know, that Canada soccer game coming up on Sunday. I'm going to be there. Why don't you throw some money down on that as well? For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all our users. You can get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on listeners. Sign up today. Use the code NBA for 50 bucks for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point at Prize Picks. Daily Fantasy made easy. Go check it out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on your first listen of the day here with Katie Heindel. Digging into your mailbag questions. Uh, This next one also comes from the first question asker, those guys underscore TG. Katie, this is directly towards you. So uh, he knows the (laughs) audience here uh, or they know the audience here. Katie, would it hurt more? What would hurt more? Eliminating Kyle Lowry and the Heat or DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls in the playoffs? What what, what sucks the most, Katie? They're both going to be heart-wrenching things, but mm-hmm. what do you got? That's tough. Um, <laughs> I, We know you love the Heat. Like It's not just Kyle Lowry. You're a Jimmy yeah. Butler acolyte. You're a P.J. Tucker acolyte. Like This is a loaded question for you. I apologize for thrusting it upon you in the middle of a podcast that we're recording on video. <laughs> I think we like we have talked about this, and I was pretty explicit that I would prefer neither mm-hmm. uh, of those matchups. Um, but probably just because of immediacy, Kyle Lowry, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, that just feels, it feels a lot closer, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, uh, that one makes me feel, when I picture it, it already starts making me feel pretty uncomfortable. Um, and I think DeMar, not to say that they, like this is the Heat's only shot, because I don't think that's true, but I do think yeah. that that Bulls team seems fairly complete and able to maybe come back next season, right? And, right. and kind of, you know, they were plagued a bit by injury toward the end of the season. So big time. Yeah. That's tough. I don't, <laughs> why, do we, why do we even have to ask these questions? <laughs> so I take a different <laughs> approach to this one, I think, Katie. I think it would hurt more to eliminate the Bulls than it was with the Heat. I think okay. it's because DeMar's gone through some stuff in the postseason and. A lot of it was when he was on the Raptors, you know, the bad reputation that he kind of left Toronto with as like a playoff failure and all this stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. some of it fair, some of it not in terms of the criticism. He was certainly more prone to those postseason blowups than Kyle was during the time that they played together with the Raptors. And it would be really, really crappy, I think, for the Raptors to then inflict another instance of playoff failure upon DeMar DeRozan 
whether he deserves the score or not, we have this hypothetical series, you know, we have no idea, but it just feels like DeMar kind of makes all these steps, becomes this more complete player, is having like an all NBA level season. And then the freak ass Raptors come through town and ruin the Bulls as a season and then beat them. Like that feels like a real kick in the nuts. Whereas with Kyle, That's a good point. Like he, he's already won a title, number one. He's good. He's chilling in Miami. The Heat. Yeah, they're on the older side. They maybe have like one or two more prime seasons after this to really kind of win with this core probably. So there is a time ticking element here. But part of me thinks Kyle would kind of relish losing to like Fred Van Vliet and his beloveds. You know what I mean? Like part of it would be like, you know what? Respect. You got us. And I'm proud of you guys for that. He wouldn't say that in the moment, but he might say no. it down the line. Um, <laughs> so I think like it would be easier for Kyle to absorb because of what he's accomplished and because – it would kind of be like a fitting thing where it's like the dudes who he kind of helped bring up are eventually the ones that take him down. There's like a poetic element to that that I think Kyle could appreciate as a learned man. Uh, what do you think about that, Katie? Yeah, I'd say less for, I think, um, the Kyle Lauer. I I don't think he would say something like that maybe until he retired. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, this is it. like a 2020, 2035 yeah. quote you're getting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I will take your point uh, about tomorrow's luck mm. kind of in the postseason. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, thank maybe you. you've swayed uh, me. Yeah, maybe you've swayed <laughs> me. Yeah. Uh, let's continue on here with another question. This one comes in from our pal Mike Richmond from Locked On Blazers, who simply asks, who is the least Canadian Raptor of all time, Katie? The least Canadian Raptor. Hmm. That's interesting. That's tough. <laughs> a little bit tough. I mean, they've only had like a half dozen guys who have actually yeah. been Canadian. So that's... Yeah. No, that that part's easy. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, probably Lou Williams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that one, he is a very Atlanta man. Mm -hmm. It feels like mm -hmm. uh, anywhere outside of Atlanta, he's a little bit of a fish out of water. That's a really good one. Um, you know, I would probably say it's not like any of the Euro guys, like it's probably an American guy, right? Because it's a little bit yeah. more of a Euro, a Europeanized city, I suppose. That's not a word. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Euro influenced, I suppose. I mean, it's part of the reason like Hito Turgaloo signed here, for example. Mm -hmm. It's part of the reason that they went and signed all these international guys because it's like, hey, we're kind of international. We're not America. Come here. And they're like, sure. Uh, <laughs> you're going to pay me? Sounds great. Um, so yeah, Lou Williams is a really good one. I mean, you could do any of the guys like Alonzo Mourning or Kenny Anderson, guys who didn't show up to the team, I would say probably kind True. of fit that bill too. Um, like actually least yeah. spent the least time with their feet on Canadian yeah, yeah. <laughs> soil. Let's flip this question. Who do you think is the most Canadian, non-Canadian Raptor of all time? Mm. Like a guy who embraced mm -hmm. the city, the culture in a in a really deep way. Probably Amir. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say Amir or either Dwayne Casey or Matt Bonner on account of their riding of the subway everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah, I think like those those three are pretty good. Yeah, those three. Are uh, Lou Williams, examples. I think, is a very very good response the other way for sure. And I would also say that uh, um, like 
Chris Bosch maybe kind of is in there as well. Oh, Love Chris yeah, Bosch, yeah. but he was always like, uh, "Hey, there's no ESPN up here. Uh, what's the deal?" I don't know why he's an old timey uh, newspaper man. But, I don't uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this question comes from our pal Freddie Revis, a uh, regular question asker for the podcast. He asks. Siakam screams and one when he gets contact. That was a pretty good impression. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. Uh, any other notable Raptors screams? And what would your scream be if you were to get fouled going up in an NBA game? Mine would be, uh, I'm dead. I'm, I'm ow, I'm dead. I'm dying because I'm a weak man. But uh, <laughs> in actuality, Katie, what would your and one scream be? I think, Pat, well, the first part, I think Pascal probably has the most because he also has his other scream. Yeah, right? it's more just like a, a primal yell, I would yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he screams through. Like, what are even the other scream? Like, what even yeah. are they? I mean, Boucher will also do the and one thing, although I'm never quite sure if it's Boucher doing it or if it's Pascal just screaming and one whenever somebody gets fouled around the rim. Uh <laughs> when Larry uh was that was it the sound effect when Larry scored was like a woo, like a quick woo? But like yeah. I could never determine I was like, is that him? Like, is that a clip of him? Or was that oh. just adopted? But I don't that, think it it doesn't Yeah, I don't it, think it so. doesn't really feel right. Yeah, Kyle's not a woohoo fella, I would say. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I probably mean, just for... be like, eh, or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's anything where I'm getting fouled by an NBA player. It's not going to be anything coherent. I'm not going to be like thinking oh, about. You know, the what both of ours would be. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're correct. We can leave that there. There's no one else to really, uh, no else to really examine here. Uh, the next question here comes from Cameron Hilton, who asked, Precious Chua's college stats are remarkably similar to Pascal's. Can you compare his development with Pascal's over time to see how he's tracking? Um, let me pull up the basketball reference pages. I probably should have done that before because I knew we were going to answer this question. I'm just very woefully prepared. But uh, I think maybe we can speak just maybe not even statistically about this, mm -hmm. but... I, I have trouble with this, Katie, because like the progression for Precious has kind of been similar over the first two seasons to what Pascal's was. Obviously, for a different team, Pascal started like a like thirty eight games in his rookie year, mm -hmm. but he was clearly like a fish out of water who really only scored on leakouts and was one of the sort of less equipped NBA starters in the league that season. Um, but like. In his second season, he became a very nice little bench piece who, you know, came in, caused some havoc, was pretty useful in playoff series and whatnot, showed some nice flashes. Uh, and that, I think, kind of is similar to what we've seen from Precious. I think Pascal might have been a little bit more refined in the role player spot than Precious has been over the course of the full season. But now we're kind of seeing end of season Precious, I would argue. He's ahead of where Siakam was at the back part of his second year. You know, I'm always cautious to, like, line up a guy with a similar track to Pascal's because Pascal's development track is like literally once in a lifetime. Guys just don't do this. Mm -hmm. But where are you at with Precious in his sort of arc of development here? Yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm hesitant like you. One, I don't really like comps. Like I don't really yeah. like reaching for comps. comps. I, yeah. Like I get, I get the urge to want to do that. Um, but I don't, I think it kind of sets us and that person, mm -hmm. even like the comp up. <laughs> to fail weirdly um yeah. so i'm not a huge fan i will say that precious still to me 
granted there were some blips here and there and I'd say mid-season Precious still looks to me like a more complete player coming toward the end of the season than Pascal did um just in terms of again I think his offensive skill set um I even think in terms of his confidence uh on the floor but you also have to think of like who he has around him and who Pascal had around him you know like Precious Mm -hmm. isn't really spending any time with the 905 whereas like Pascal spent a good chunk of time there with Fred Van Vliet. Right. And those two like had their own synchronicity and still do. Um, Precious doesn't, I would say he doesn't really have that with anyone because that's not really what this team was designed to be. But um, his G league season was getting yelled at by Jimmy Butler all season. It's a different kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like with the heat, right? Like he didn't, I'd say he might even be a little bit behind uh, yep. but where he's at, it doesn't really show just because with the heat, he was not, he was not getting like the kind of minutes or I think like importance placed upon him. Right. Like they just didn't really have this role for him. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't feel right to me. Like yeah. they, they don't really feel, um, comparable. And I do think what you mentioned just about, uh, Pascal's own trajectory, like pa- Pascal's is like this, right? Actually not True. down. I'd say he hits plateaus and then he climbs. And yeah. like that is very rare. Usually it's like, mm, mm, and then like maybe <laughs> a little bit, but yeah. Pascal's like, so it would be great. I think it would be great if Precious could get there. But again, I don't, I don't really know if that's the player that they, they want him to be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like a, that was like a, this kind of answer, but <laughs> I, Look, uh, I think it's, yeah, yeah. it's just not, it, it does, doesn't, it doesn't really align to me. Yeah. I, I think you have to be cautious with these types of comps and I would hope that people learn from the overzealousness to compare OG to Kawhi Leonard that like, you just can't do this. Every yeah. player is its own unique thing and your uh, own unique story and, and own unique sort of arc. And, and, and like, honestly, that is the beauty not to get all like weird and mushy here, but like, that's why basketball rocks is that every player is different and distinct mm-hmm. and has their own different path. They trudge. And I, I think, yes, it's easy to kind of look at the year to year stats and be like, Ooh, there's a similar thing there. But like, completely different players completely different um you know contexts of the team in which they're operating and all of that i mean precious is not likely going to get the sort of year of getting to play off of a guy as good as Kawhi leonard to help improve and stuff like that as a scorer Mm -hmm. and whatnot like it's all very dependent on context that said i think precious i'm extremely high on I, i wouldn't paint him to become a player of pascal's level because guess what like 15 players at a given time are all nba level players it's hard to get to that status i guess you could expand that out to like maybe 25 guys have a shot at it every year that's still a pretty exclusive club and so it's not something that's fair to heap on to precious and i would Mm -hmm. just argue enjoy this weird little development story that's going on because it means a lot for the raptors it's really important to their whole vision kind of coming through and coming to fruition at some point here in the next couple seasons but um you know heaping some sort of pascal level expectation on precious as i spit on my mic gross uh is uh is a really really important thing to uh you know you got to be mindful of that and tamp down Mm -hmm. those expectations when you can um we're going to continue on here and uh, do a couple more mailbag questions, some fun ones, some uh, some goofy ones to close out the show. Those are coming up in just a sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars you can find. I got to tell you, we've been talking about them for like two years on the podcast, and we stick with them because they're great. And we love 
getting those built bars, little shipments. They'll send us the new flavors and stuff like that. And I'm always very excited when they arrive on my doorstep because I know I have something that I can trick my brain with whenever I'm trying to be indulgent, try, trying to have a snack that I shouldn't be having. For example, last night I had a cookie at like 10 p.m. What am I doing having a cookie at 10 p.m.? I should just be having a built bar. I just happen to be all out right now, which is a problem because it is how I train myself to not eat garbage all the time because built bars are good for you while also tasting like you're cheating. It's a wonderful little thing they've pulled off. Their bars contain on average 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein. It's like half the calories of a typical candy bar, uh, an eighth of the sugar you're going to get in a typical candy bar. You really, really can't beat it. They somehow managed to pull it off. They're all about the taste of Built Bar. They make it taste great first, and then they figure out how to make it healthy. They pull it off somehow. I don't know how they do it, but they do a wonderful job with it. They have flavors for everybody, so go check out their list. They've got nut and nut-free options. They're keto-friendly. Go and get yourself some Built Bars today at Built.com. And if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off when you go to Built.com. Now, that's not just on your first order. You get that every single time you go back with the code LOCKED15 at Built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we round out your off-day mailbag episode of Locked On Raptors with Katie Heindel, your first listen of the day, of course. With a couple more mailbag questions, uh, this one comes in from our friend Jay Rosales, a little inside baseball, but people seem to like when we talk about like uh, media stuff, so we'll dig into it and be self-indulgent for a second. Uh, the question is, what is one addition or subtraction you'd make to the media gondola at Scotiabank Arena? Katie. Like a, a person? I, I think like an item of comfort oh. is would oh, be God. the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Will Lou, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this is easy for me. The chairs. Oh, my God. Thank you. We have to the use chairs. our platform to speak for change up in the we media have to, okay. the chair well, situation. First, we have to explain the chairs. So the chairs <laughs> yes. that we're talking about, I think, are like a second gen chair. Um, but yes. that this chair, these chairs, they are uh, swivel wheelchairs. Um, mm -hmm. They look fairly innocuous but mm -hmm. they do not stay at height and they are yes. a little too short for um, the, the desk and then like the partition to be able to actually mm -hmm. see down over. They need to be like yes. two inches taller. So, mm -hmm. and I think because of the chairs that get sit in most frequently over time have just like sunk. Like even if you yes. pop them up with the lever, they just still are like at a very low level. Mm -hmm. So what true freaks like me, I do this a lot. <laughs> Go down the row as far oh. as you can. Wheel a chair back. Get a fresh chair. Yeah. Away. Just like you have to have no shame when you're doing that. But I also think yeah. people know kind of. Um, yeah. Try and get a fresh chair from like way out in the boonies mm -hmm. that not a lot of people have sat on. That's usually yeah. what I'll try and do. But even then, like by the end of the game, you're kind of like. Yeah. 
you know. So, yeah, a little bit more context on this. The Raptors used to have different chairs on press mm -hmm. row. And again, all of these are extreme, uh, oh my God, my life is so wonderful and I have too many gold rings problems. Uh, but like on the media row, they used to have chairs that were firm. They were adjustable. You could go up and, and they could go really high, like to the point where your legs are like up against the desk, desk and you can lean over and your head's like over the front of the gondola, basically. That's what I Not want. Not really yeah. a safety hazard, I would say. I, I think they were totally fine. That's the view you want because you're not blocked by the partition to watch the game or anything like that. They replaced these chairs during the 2019-20 season in like the middle of the year, unbeknownst to anybody. And it was marketed as, oh, we got new chairs. And then everyone's like, what the hell is going on with these chairs? I, for a while, Katie, had a secret chair that I had hidden away in one of the booths oh that I could God. go and find and relocate. I've lost <laughs> it since because it's been so long. Um, so now I too am stuck on these little swivel chairs. And the last time I was at a game, I figured out if you sit on a specific angle on these chairs, you can stay at height. But if you swivel even an inch to the left or right, mm -hmm. you're going to sink back down. Mm -hmm. It's a problem. Uh, so Phil Summers, the, the wonderful people who do PR for the Raptors, please better chairs. Uh, we miss those good, those old sturdy boys. Just back like in the a day. tall They were a little stool, bit dirty. Even a stool. Yeah. For posture. Love a stool. Uh, Fine, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take it. We've had mug talk, we've had stool and chair talk. We are old people, Katie. Uh, <laughs> I have been struggling with extremely bad posture for a while, so like this is not helping. And you can probably see me like slumping on this podcast every day. It's bad. Uh, we're going to continue on with the one last mailbag question here. This one comes from Eric Morris, classic question asker on the podcast. Yes, yeah, so you got to come up with a Raptors equivalent of King Cake Baby. Not a question. A demand. Uh, of course, Raptors fans or fans of this podcast, not all Raptors fans know me, uh, but listeners of this podcast know that I love King Cake Baby, uh, my dear friend, and I wish that every team had a mascot with such horrific elements that they could sport uh, at various times throughout the season. I sent you a photo yesterday, Katie. There was an image circulating of the original Philadelphia Phillies yeah. mascot uh, yeah. with Chauncey the Rat, uh, who looks like some kind of hell spawn. It's like a Mad Max. I think it's yeah. like a Mad Max-esque yeah. uh, costume situation. You could toss going a guitar on. in that that rat's hand and stick mm -hmm. him on the front of your war rig and it would be perfectly at home. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> The question is, how do we make a freak version of King Cake Baby for uh, the Raptors? Of course, the Raptors have a rich and storied history of multiple mascots, the inflatable, stripes, the baby Raptors, and all of that. Uh, we need a horror element now to, to mix into the group here. What is your vicious freak-like Raptor mascot looking like? Is it even a Raptor? Is it something a little bit more weird and deformed? What do you got? I think it is a raptor, but this seems pretty easy to me. You get like um, a raptor and the origin story is it didn't fully hatch, right? Because it needs like a oh, diaper. So the shell, yeah. it's got like a bottom half of a shell situation. Its legs are poking out of. Oh. I picture like a like really googly eyes. Like one's yeah. always kind of going and they're going in different directions at all times. Real snaggle tooth situation. Yeah. Um, almost like, <laughs> it's funny to say primordial because it's like it's a dinosaur but almost like more ancient and weird looking than yeah. like your slick typical raptors mascot yeah. not wearing yeah. sneakers for sure um oh yeah just barefoot clicking those claws around yeah diaper yeah raptor. yeah diaper <laughs> basically diaper. i like that i also like the idea of 
not going with a, a raptor mascot, but rather the victim of a raptor attack in costume form. <laughs> um, you know, if you think to like Jurassic Park, for example, the wonderful character Robert Muldoon, the raptor gamekeeper uh, who gets uh, horribly eaten late in the movie, mm. clever girl, etc., uh, you know, we could call the mascot Robert Muldoon't or something like that. We could have a riff on the name of Robert Muldoon. We could have a different be a thing altogether, but some sort of like uh, raptor attack casualty as your like big suit. You've got like your face half ripped off. Your arm has been consumed and just kind of dangling there. Uh, you know, you've got like claw marks. You've got ripped across your belly like he talks about in the original mm -hmm. like first scene when he's talking to the kid about respecting the raptors. I just, uh, I got to watch Jurassic Park again. What a beautiful movie. Uh, but yeah, Raptor Attack. It could even just be the kid, like the six foot turkey kid from the very start uh, oh, who God. has in fact been attacked by the Raptor. Maybe grown up. Maybe that you don't want to have a child who's been disformed by a Raptor. But that's my pick is Raptor Attack Victim as like your special edition, like scare the other team when they're taking free throws. Like you think Devin Booker was upset by the Raptor? Wait until like a deformed Raptor Attack that's Victim true. comes out there and it's just like ooh, you can't take this free throw like you're missing every single one it's it's a playoff advantage katie yeah that's like you're getting horror horror movie-esque you know yeah yeah let's get okay. let's get real freaky let's just take king cake baby to the next level is kind of where i'm at here and i will buy all the merch that there is uh all right katie we i think have reached the obvious conclusion of this podcast <laughs> we can't get any weirder than that uh do you have anything you would like to promote for the good people out there before we round out the show Sure. I'll uh, promote the Basketball Feelings podcast, uh, which the latest episode came out yesterday with Holly McKenzie. Raptors fans should know and love Holly. Uh, and we had a great Holly conversation. Is the best. Yeah, yeah, Holly's incredible. We talked about rookies. We talked about in that we talked about Scotty Barnes protecting his joy, how we can do that. Um, Holly's covered DeMar Rosen since his rookie year. She told an incredible story. <laughs> about a run-in she had with DeMar at his first summer league. Um, mm -hmm. And we just talked about like, you know, how fantastic it is to see him getting the credit and shine he deserves this season. We talked about a lot, a lot, lot more, but that's at basketballfeelings.com. Yeah, I love Holly McKenzie. A little inside baseball again on the Raptors media side of things. Uh, <laughs> Holly used to be my subway buddy. When I lived in Toronto still, we used to walk to the subway together and go home uh, on the same train. It was very nice. We just it was a uh, we used to chat about life. Missed those subway chats with Holly. Uh, also a big Nova Scotia head, of course, from mm -hmm. Nova Scotia. <laughs> and uh, is always the first to like any photo I share of my many trips that I've gone on to the East Coast. Uh, it's always reliable. I know I'm getting one like on Instagram from Holly McKenzie on those pics. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for today's episode. This was an off-day-ass episode. My goodness. We're going to be back tomorrow. We're going to talk All-NBA with our pal Samson Folk from Raptors Republic. Uh, he wrote a great piece about Pascal Siakam's All-NBA candidacy. We're going to dig into it with him tomorrow uh and that should be a lot of fun because samson's great so you have that to look forward to and uh thank you as always for tuning into the show making us your first listen of the day you can find me on twitter at woodley sean you can subscribe to rate review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts both in audio form and in video form on youtube with that big red subscribe button just sitting there screaming at you saying please click me uh i punched my mic again i'm having <laughs> over here uh <laughs> the hand talking is a problem anyway you're all the best thank you for tuning in we'll talk to you again on thursday with another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.